together. I thank you for being here this morning. Those of you who are watching on the uh, online or, or uh, Facebook, uh, welcome. And uh, as we begin, I just uh, let you know in advance, those of you that are here, uh, we are, uh, you know, there's there's a question mark as to should we sing or not sing? And the, the reality is, is that it's not a forbidden thing. It's just that it's recommended not to. But if you keep your mask on, we've controlled the situation. So uh, if you're going to sing, you have to wear your mask while we're singing. Or you can just mouth the words, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, so you are invited to sing along this morning. And so let's have a word of prayer. Then we're going to have our first song. Father, we come this morning. With our intent to commit this time to you, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to set aside the things that are distracting. There's so many different things going on right now that that it's so easy to get sidetracked, and we just want to be able to focus on you. So we ask, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, you would draw us close together, close to you. And, Lord, that we could, uh, as we worship you, we just commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you feel like standing, you may. You do not have to. world the Lord is come let us receive a king let every heart prepare and room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more listens and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, for as the curse is found, for as the curse is found, for as far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. May be seated. In the way of uh, announcements, I really don't have any specific announcements to make today, other than just to say, um, you know, that uh, we're glad to, to be able to worship. And uh, I know that some people, uh, you know, uh, are, I, I, how do I want to say it? I want people to, as they're listening to this and watching this, if they're not here, to say, let them know that, that there is absolutely no, nothing on our part that says you need to be here right now. If you're not ready to be here and, and, and you're not, or you're not feeling well or you're just not ready to risk being out in the public places, this type of thing, please don't feel that you're, that there's anybody looking down on you in any way. And uh, we thank you uh, for your support. And that was the other thing that I get asked is how do we take an offering? Our offering is up here. Uh, simply put in if you want. If uh, not, you can mail your offering to the church. And uh, we take care of it uh, that way. We also have our communion that we're doing with these uh, personalized communion packets. and. Uh, I'll go over that when we open them later. 
But if you don't have one while we're next to seeing the next couple of songs, they're out on the table out there. If you want to step out and get one, feel free to do so. And uh, again, just uh, thank you for being here this morning. Um, I think that's all I have to say. How about, yeah. Oh, sure. Okay, uh, Garrett is, is, it's a tumor on his, on his eye that has been removed. And so, uh, she wants us to be praying for that. Well, for that matter, while we're here, uh, praying for Jackie. And, uh, she's been having real problems with her legs still. Diana's in the hospital, Diane Van. And, um, maybe coming home, they, they tried to have her come home yesterday. Uh, or, uh, Friday and, uh, turned out that they, there were some complications that they needed to address first. So that she's staying there and, uh, other prayer needs. No, she's at, at, at uh, uh, St. Joe's in their heart specialty department there. Uh, any other prayer needs this morning? Huh? Let's go ahead and pray together. We'll do that now. Father, we come this morning. Lord, uh, to thank you. To thank you for the reality that in the midst of, 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 uh, uh, a chaotic time in our lives, uh, looking around us, all that's going on in our nation, in the world with the COVID virus and, and, and all the, the uh, other things that are happening at the same time. We look at this and we, we rest with a confidence that the God of all creation is our Savior and that you've told us that we can come to you and find rest. And I believe that rest includes a, confident, a confidence that what goes on in this world does not impact what goes on in the sense of our relationship with you. And if anything, it might even strengthen it as we draw close to you. In fact, I think of what Romans 5 says that with the things of trials and tribulations come, they actually give us the opportunity to rejoice in our salvation and the places that, that, that we have in your kingdom, Lord. So we thank you. We worship you. We bring those in our congregation that we know are in need of prayer. Uh, Jackie Davis's son, Garrett, is uh, this uh, tumor removal uh, from his eye. We ask for wisdom in the doctors as they treat him, as they take care of him. And a success, Lord, this will, will take care of the problems that he's been having. For Jackie, we thank you that she's been doing better. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to uh, bring a, a sense of comfort for her physical body, as well as uh, being with her in, in everything else, Lord. And, the, and for Diane, we ask for your healing hand on her and the needs that she has in her health. And Father, for Joanne Farnsworth too, you know, just be with her as she re- recuperates, recovers. Uh, and uh, again, with all confidence, we leave these things in your hands and ask for your perfect will to be accomplished. In Jesus' name, amen. You're welcome to stand with us. For a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of thy name. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrow cease. Tis music in the sinner's ears, tis life and health and peace. 
He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the father's scream. His blood avail for me. He speaks and listening to his voice. Do life the dead receive? The mournful broken heart rejoice, the humble poor relieve. Glory to God and praise and love be ever ever given. By saints below and saints above, the church in earth and heaven. Of my heart 
be pleasing to you, my We've been in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as we are taking it apart piece by piece in these messages. And uh, I'd like to begin by reading 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, just the first three verses to start with. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if we have, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Lord, as we open your word this morning, we ask that your love through your Holy Spirit would overwhelm us. Again, strengthening our walk with you as we work, uh, draw into your word together and look, Lord, for you to uh, just strengthen our love for you, for each other, and for those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. The picture here, we've gone through the, those first uh, three verses uh, a while back in a, in a message, but the the thing that we we start this going through as we understand it is to say without love we have to understand the love that's being talked about and uh, so we'll probably have gotten a little repetitive as we go through this but we can't assume that everybody's heard everything that we've talked about and the love we're talking about is God's kind of love agape love and by the way the only way you can have this love is to be in a personal relationship with God. Through Jesus Christ, the Lord. Okay, that's there is no other way. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, risen from the dead. You have to be at that place for God's love to come through you because you have to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit for this to be a reality. Okay, with that said, without this love, and even as Christians, we can get to a point where we are we're not practicing this love. Without coming to it and, 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 and having God's love working in us, it basically says, I am nothing. I gain nothing. I'm just a lot of noise. And, and what it's saying is even the service that we would do for the Lord would be less than it could be if the love of God was working through us. This is something we as Christians need to be conscious of. I think it needs to be a daily thing. God Open my heart to your love today. Allow me to be the man, the woman, the youth of God that you want me to be. And commit to him. Now, I would say for me, a key to understanding this would be going back to Matthew chapter 22, where Jesus is asked, what is the great commandment? He says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he adds, to that. There's the greatest commandment. And the second, in other words, right underneath it, not is it, it, it you've got to understand somebody says that means to love your neighbor as yourself is equal with the first one. No, you have to have the first one or the love your neighbor as yourself can't come. Okay. But so he says the second is like it. Love the neighbor as yourself. And you've heard me over and over and over again over the years to say what this is is a, uh, the I'm third section of scripture. God is first, the other person is second, and I'm third. That's what we, we need to see in this. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Uh, and, and that is shown by, by the way, it's revealed by how you love your neighbor. And then the next question obviously comes, who is my neighbor? And we know the parable of, of, of the, the, the man injured on the, on the, on the road and, and, and uh, all the people pass by and then the person that, would normally not have anything to do with the Jew stops and helps him. 
Okay. Your neighbor is whoever God puts in place in your in your surrounding for the moment. Right now, we are all neighbors. Okay, and as we go to the store, the people around us are neighbors. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, seen uh, some a few weeks ago a person that was trying to reach up and 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 get something off the shelf, and she was older and she she was reaching as high as she could. She couldn't quite get it. She looks at me. That's going to do her a lot of good. I took my cane and pulled it like that and caught it and gave it to her. And she, she looked at me, smiled, and said, that's good for a lot of things, you know. But, but the thing was is that it, the, the look said it all. I need help from my neighbor. I was her neighbor for that moment. And I need to, we need to be that considered. When we're on the road, the person next to us is our neighbor. Okay? Even if they cut you off. They're still your neighbor, and Jesus doesn't say, you know, no matter, you know, how based on how they treat you, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, love your neighbor. This is really critical that we get a hold of this, especially right now. There's so many divisive things going on. We've got a presidential election coming up, coming up, which automatically causes our our nation to go two ways. And, and, and we become critical of each other over the issues and this type of thing. Christians, you know, somebody will say, well, Bob, what, what affiliation are you politically? And I say, I'm an independent Republican. And, and that's a word stolen. I didn't come up with it. And the thing is, is that I don't think it's an issue as to our relationship as to what my, my politics necessarily are. Our relationship isn't based on the government and politics. I think of, of Chuck, uh, John MacArthur's book, uh, Government Can't Save You. Okay. The reality is, is that our relationship is based on Christ and my relationship to my community and those around me should be based on Christ. And that's why God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. This heart, soul, and mind means that this is a full commitment. Everything that I am, my heart, meaning my my being, you know, my 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 soul, my the, committed to Christ and surrendered to Christ. My mind, asking for what the renewing of my mind, that I would be more like Christ and less like the world. So how we, how, how well this love is in us and coming through us is revealed by how we treat our neighbor, whoever God puts in our circle of, 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 of presence for the moment. Jesus also said that our Christian distinctive, the, the major distinctive that he said would identify who we are, is how we love each other. So, with that, we have this idea. Without God's love working with through me, I am nothing. I gain nothing. I uh, I'm a sounding gong. Uh, I'm I, I, uh, a lot of noise. But with God's working through me, as I extend His love, people are to begin to see Christ in me. They might not even know that they're seeing Christ. All they're knowing is that they're seeing somebody who cares. Who has a compassion that they don't see in everybody. So, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. We're going to be identified as Christians by the fact that how we love each other. Now, the rest of the the, the section that we've been working on, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, uh, are characteristics of this love. And this is what we've been going through. Love, uh, you know, verse four says love is patient. We had a whole message on that and I was talking to, to Ted about that the other day. And, uh, you know, the, the old joke, don't pray for patience. You know, and, and, uh, so, you know, being patient means, you know, is the idea of being calm in all circumstances is implied in that. And uh, right now, Kathy's car has a blown head or head gasket. 
mine has a water pump that is just literally all of a sudden it's wiggling like this. And I can't run my truck. Fortunately, I've been loaned a car so that we have transportation. But uh, the the reality is, is that my patients tends to run very thin at times as I'm looking at getting these things taken care of. Love is patient, even with physical things. It shouldn't disrupt us. We should have a different attitude of, of things like this. Do I trust in God providing? Do I trust in, in the fact that God has allowed this to happen? And as a result, he's going to use it to, to build my character. Being patient. Being kind. Love is kind. So we have love is patient, love is kind as, as characteristics of love. And then it says, the next one is, is a, is a negative basically. It says, love is, does not envy or boast. Okay. So if it doesn't envy or boast, it shows basically the opposite of those qualities or what it does, you know. And, and uh, we heard last week, love is not arrogant. Okay. Today, love is not rude. We, uh, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of rude. Uh, Generally speaking, it's not a dictionary definition. It's either an experience or a person. You know, and, uh, and so I was looking through this and saying, how can we get this back to understanding this rude and, and get us distracted uh, from our automatic inclination to go to what rude is and, and look at it from what, what is being said here. And I was looking up through the, the, Bible dictionary, the synonyms for this word. And uh, so love is not rude, meaning love is not ill-mannered. Oh, wait a minute. I never put that clearly into it, you know. Ill-mannered. Love is not impatient. Going back to the sermon on being patient, love is not impatient. Love is not disrespectful. Oh, disrespectful and rude. Rude. Rudeness has something to do with disrespect. One put it, love is not graceless. I'd never heard that one before put there. Love is not graceless, which means the opposite, antonyms. Love must be full of grace. And that automatically has to take you to to God and his grace and his mercy. And he tells us to boldly come before his throne. In Hebrews, he says, boldly come before my throne and, 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 and claim, you know, call out for my mercy and grace. It'll be there for you. Confess your sins and you're forgiven and restored. You've been justified. You've been made righteous. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is all because of grace. Okay, so the opposite of rude is to be full of grace. If I use this correctly, I think. So we're not ill-mannered, impatient, disrespectful, graceless. Instead, we are full of grace. And the idea of full of grace, along with the other antonyms that were named here, polite, patient, civil. I thought that was interesting. Respectful, kind. Other translations that, that, that interpret this particular line, it says, love does not dishonor others. Love does not act unbecomingly. Love does not behave, behave unseemly. Love does not act improperly. And I thought, boy, those are, those are great words, but I, I, you know, I come back to, Having to look at the the the, the idea of, of of what we are to get out of this, the opposite of what rude is. If love is not rude, then we need to practice the opposite of rude. And so, when I come back, being full of grace, kind, respectful. 
And respectful for some reason is the thing that landed on my my thinking. Love is not rude. Love is respectful. It treats others with respect. And I thought, okay, versus what? Well, versus me first. Isn't that really? Don't don't we have comments that, that say we're in the me me first culture right now? I've heard that many times. You know, uh, you know, we get to. I, I want the best parking space in the parking lot. How many times will you drive around in the circle at the at the parking lot because you saw somebody's taillights on in the front row of of the parking, and you're hoping that you'll get in the right place at the right time to get that space? Okay, and here's someone. Then you come around and you you've, you've made four trips around the parking lot to get that spot, and what you're wondering now what that person's doing. That they're sitting there with their foot on the brakes, waiting to go. That you saw them load their groceries. You know, why aren't they leaving? And 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 so grace is diminishing. And then I come around the last time as I come down the the, the line of cars that are parked further away, and and, and I'm uh, the person backs out, and the person coming the other way just zips right in, and then looks at you and smiles. Love your neighbor as yourself, full of grace, respect. Okay. Uh, you know, we're not, we, we, we tend to be, but that was my space. I was, I was diligently pursuing it. You know, we are so, so me first oriented. Part of that is our culture. Part of it has to do with something that, that I am absolutely blessed to say that, that I, uh, as an American, as living in the United States, I have a, a whole list of rights. I have the right to free speech. That gives me the right to stand here this morning and challenge the government if it tries to take it away from me. You know, I have, you know, and, and so we are taught from a very early age in our, in our culture to be independent. I want to suggest to you that while that's an awesome thing to have, it's in conflict with Scripture. <laughs> we are to be totally dependent on God. And it makes, that's why it makes it so difficult in the Western culture for Christians to live their Christian life because we're, 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 we've got conflicting things going on here. How do I bring this into submission? I need to bring this over here into submission to my relationship with God. Because if I am honest with my relationship with God and I understand about, you know, I have the right to, what you're basically saying is, I deserve. And you realize, what do you deserve before the throne of God? Well, since we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we deserve the death sentence. God didn't give it to us. He showed us grace. We're all here. (laughs) We've all sinned. Okay. And so tying this idea of, of, of who we are, we have to understand what God is in us. And this idea of respect is more than just being courteous. It's, it's actually saying, you know, that, that, that person can have what I wanted in a sense. It's okay. They got blessed. Can I rejoice for someone I don't even know getting the parking space that I wanted and say they've been blessed? Could I even possibly say, Lord, bless them instead of curse them? You you understand what I'm getting at. So, again, I come back to this point. Uh, You know, to be rude is to have a lack of respect for others. Uh, My own interests always come first. If, If rudeness is a part of my character, my own interests come first. It's a me first situation. And I believe that is part of our general cultural feelings. Uh, and then I, then the reality is your feelings don't matter to me. If I'm a, a, a rude as a part of my characteristic, uh, your feelings don't matter to me. My feelings come first. Or if your feelings matter to me, only after mine are met. And then, like I said, I have the right. I put that on my list. I have the right to say, or I have the right to do. What if it causes my brother to stumble? Oh, thanks, Paul, for Romans. 
Well, then I even I have the right to do it. I won't do it. That's to have love your neighbor as yourself. And again, we can't have that unless we love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, and mind. All connected together. So to be respectful, I put here, you have to treat all people with respect. Why should I do that? Is there a biblical purpose, uh, question that I can throw in here and say, why should I do that and look for a biblical answer? And it didn't take long for one to jump in. All men are created in the image of who? Which man is not created in the image of God? Any human born is created in the image of God. From the earliest born in here, and I'm looking around, I might be the oldest born in here. No, thank you, Phil, for being here today. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, we all are made in the image of God. My first need to respect is that God made us uniquely who we are, both individually and collectively, in, the, in a sense. And, and so God is, the, is the, the creator. I need to respect what God has created. So all men are created in God's image requires my respect. In Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians, chapter five, in the around fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, along in there, it says, "All men are created in, in God's image." It doesn't say that, but because all men are created in God's image, we realize that we lost that relationship with God, and therefore Christ died for us. And it says that Christ died for us. God so loved a few people that that. You know, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the example of, of, of sacrifice and love. What about those that persecute me, though? I don't know if you've ever been persecuted uh, to a point where you've been defamed as your character has been defamed in some way. Uh, but, you know. Or, or that your rights have been infringed on in some way or whatever. And that, that's, that's what, you know, persecution has to do. Or what, what if they, if it's just simple, you know, someone just doesn't like me. You know, they, they, they might even have said, I hate you. What about criminals? How am I going to display I love people put in my my vicinity, and I know that this, this person is the despicable criminal. What is it that I need to love? I need to love the reality that God created them and that Jesus died for them and that they need Christ. If I really have Respect for someone, I'm not going to miss the opportunity to what? Share Christ with them. Why? Because I do love them. I don't love what you've always said. We don't love the sin, but we still love the person. We desire to see them saved. We desire to see them in a relationship with Christ. The person is just plain unkind. Doesn't matter what you do, they always reply, reply with an unkindness. They've got a, 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 a the term that was that I heard. Uh, it's I don't know how many years ago was they have a caustic tongue. Just everything everything that comes out eventually has a little bit of a mean shot in it. There's no exception. First Peter chapter two, verse 17 says that we're also to not only love everybody that's around us in the sense of love your neighbor as yourself. He gets really specific. Love your enemies. Man. How far does this love go? It goes as far as God can take it in the sense of, of using us to, to love the people around us. 
we're not a, a, a foot mat or a wiping, you know, mat for, for, that's not what this is talking about. What it's talking about is your concern for the person around you and their walk with Christ. Do they have one? Then I have a responsibility to look at this in just a second to encourage. But, but the reality is that, that my, my desire should be always to say, God, give me your ears, your eyes, your, your, your thoughts, if you will, on, on the people around me that I will know what to say to them. And you know, I've had people in my life come up and say, you have no idea what you said to me two weeks ago and how it encouraged me. And it's not even a person that's, that goes to church. That's what God wants from us. The, the idea is, is Colossians chapter four, verses four through five. I'm going to re, uh, read this one. Well, the, it's just. I'm going to have to go back to verse two to, to put it in context. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear. Which is how I ought to speak. He, he's so concerned about the, this that he wants to know how he needs to speak in order to influence someone for Christ. Continue steadfastly in prayer is part of that picture. Then it says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. And I was curious, what is an outsider? It's a person not normally in my circle. It's that narrow. Outsiders, in this case, somebody says, well, it's Gentiles. Well, it, 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 it could have been. Yeah, it was at one point. But the bottom line was, is it's a person that's not in my normal sphere of influence. And I was looking at this, and 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 the thought, the thing that came to my mind, was an, a, a, an, a rather interesting example of how we act when we are in a public place, and and how people know after a while something about us, maybe you know, like maybe we're Christians or churchgoers or something like that. The reason why I bring it up that way is that Kathy and I were in a, in a, in a church sermon, uh, in a church service where the sermon was given at Los Gatos Christian Church. And the senior pastor had taken the youth pastor's place for the week because he was out of town. So he, he had the youth that week. And uh, he came back and he says, they were, he says, we have a few of them uh, that work at, all of them have, happened to work at the same restaurant called King's Table, just not too far from from Los Gatos Christian Church. And this was a place that uh, the uh, groups of Christians would come and sometimes take up the banquet room. You know, I mean, they they just fill it up, you know, and. Uh, as the 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 wait, these waiters waiting on the tables and the peoples that are there. Hearing them tear down the sermon, speak poorly of the pastor. They, you know, he could have preached on something different than that. Or if, if that had been me, I'd have said, you know, this type of thing. But then they, 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 they are the, he said they are the most demanding people they serve. And then when it comes to the tips, they're the most frugal in tipping. And I got an, uh, an illumination from the pastor that, and, and it, but it wasn't that it turned on. It was that he made it happen because he says, we as Christians should be known as the friendliest customer and the most generous tippers. If you're sitting there with your little calculator saying 10% is, uh, uh, $14.97, a dollar 49 round up or round down. It's a seven. I'll round up, you know, dollar for, you know, uh, you know, are we, you know, what are we known as? And it, it bothered him 
that these were members from his church influencing his youth in the church and being known as the, the, the people that nobody wants to wait on. Well, I hate to say this, but it's not, it's not much different today. I've, I've known a number of, of people who, uh, work Sundays in restaurants in, in even Fortuna, California and say, right after church is not the best time to, to be a waiter. Why? Is it, what is it that, 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 that when we walk into a restaurant, we're paying, maybe you feel an exorbitant price for a meal or something, and, and, and somehow this person is my servant. Now they are there to serve us. But shouldn't I, if I'm a Christian, be looking for the opportunity to what? Bless them? Encourage them? Or they could be like one of my family members, uh, my, my, when I was growing up. Service was terrible today. Penny. That was the way she said it in her tip. Who knows what that poor person had been going through? Maybe two people didn't show up for their shift and they were overrun. You know, you just, you know, we don't know. You're going through the, the checkout line and the clerk is, is, is not courteous. Be as courteous as you can to them. To, to, to be generous to them in, in whatever way you can in the sense of, of courtesy, respect. And I, I realized this, this word respect is something that is, is tied to we feel we deserve a certain amount of respect, but we're not always called in our minds to think about how we're to give it. And so what I wanted to encourage you today as I was going through this was, was this idea of giving respect. And I thought, how do we come across this? Well, it's to put off and put on. Use Paul's formula. Uh, you know, Proverbs 18, and it's how we speak. And I'm not going to go through each one of these now this morning, but Proverbs 18, 21, 21, 23, 29, 20. All three of them talk about the way we speak. We need to be speaking words of encouragement, words that glorify God, and, and words that, that, that raise up, not tear down. And our actions need to follow our words. Jesus says something about the things that come out of our mouth. What does he say? They're from the heart. Ouch. Jesus says something in Matthew chapter 12 that is absolutely sometimes haunts me. We are accountable for every word we speak before the throne of God. And since the way Jesus equates words and thoughts, it includes our thinking. So what's a, a, a remedy to, to you know, or, or a way to build respect in it is to ask God to, first off, have his love work through us, for us to look for the opportunity to encourage, build up, and speak kindness in patience. Put off rudeness. If I put it off, and this was the thing I, I said Paul's formula, to put off something means you're going to put on something in its place. Okay, I'm going to put off uh, rudeness. I'm going to put on respect in others. In the case, if we're following my sermon for this morning. James has a whole lot to say about guarding our speech. How important it is. I like the one picture about a small rudder. Just a couple of little words can gear the whole ship off. You know. Um, I want to go back uh, just a few pages from Colossians to Ephesians. Verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Corrupting means anything that breaks down, tears down, or causes decay. uh, You know, that type of thing. So, any negative speech, if you will. Let no corrupting speech, talk, come out of your mouths. 
but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And that's not only in the body of Christ. That's a general statement. Do not let corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Coming back to this idea, if we're not rude, then which is graceless, then we are full of grace. We speak grace. You ever thought about making that a prayer request? God caused me to speak grace. We speak grace. In a very familiar passage, and I frequently refer to it just because it's it's so direct. Paul writing to the Romans, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Want to know what one thing is an act of worship is? To commit your yourself, again, you know, putting it as, as a living sacrifice to God. Do not, and then he adds to it, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God that is good and acceptable and perfect. And so again, I, I was looking at how to, to summarize this sermon and, and I, and I ended up summarizing it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring a conclusion to it in just a very short phrase as we approach communion this morning. I appeal to therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your and bodies is an overall picture. Okay, I'm going to narrow it down one part of my body. By the mercies of God, to present my tongue as a sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is an act of spiritual worship, that I may not be conformed to this world. In other words. Take this world's ideas of what's right, wrong, and indifferent, but, but be transformed to what God says is right, wrong. By the renewal of my mind, discerning the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And by the way, the only way we can put that together in the idea of discerning isn't to sit and wait for it. It's to openly pursue it by reading his word. So, this morning as we, we approach communion, I do want to share with you, uh, since we're not passing the communion out, this little cup here. If you, if you bend down this little flange right here, the, the sticks out, bend it down first, it causes this plastic to get loose. Okay? And if it doesn't, then you have to just play with it a little. And you'll open it up, and there's the wafer. Okay, that's the bread. And uh, we're going to start with that. And and but when you go to open the cup, get a hold of that little flange. As you start to pull it back, it exposes the lip right here. Hold it tight, like you know, kind of like that. And it because if not, you'll do what I did the first time I opened it and wear it. Okay, so. Jesus, uh, on the night that he was betrayed, according to uh, Paul, says that this was revealed to him. The night that he was betrayed, he shared the bread as his body. And I always think of, in terms of the fullness of what that means, it starts with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? And the word became flesh. So from his birth, his sacrifice was already in place. He was already humbling himself, according to Philippians chapter 2. And we're told to have the mind of Christ in reference to that. And I'm thinking about how that applies to communion. We desire to have the mind of Christ. I want my tongue to reflect 
Christ. By the way, did Christ ever get angry in a righteous format? Is there room even in a believer's life for a righteous anger? Yes. We're not saying that that's what we're talking about is to have these characteristics from a Christ-like perspective. And we're told that that as we break the bread together, we're symbolizing Christ's sacrifice for us. And the fact that he that he said that we're to do this until he comes. So let's share the, the bread. At that last supper that Christ introduced, what we typically call the Lord's Supper or communion, at the end of the meal, he took the cup of blessing. And he held it up and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. What he was saying is, this is a representation of the fact that I literally die. He really died on the cross. He took our place, physically and spiritually. And and, and took death for us so that we could say what Romans 8 one says, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And he, and, and, and the reality is, is that he added to it is before the, the, the disciples drank it, he says, and I will not share this cup until you, until I come again. So not only are we celebrating his death, but we're celebrating his second coming, his death, burial, resurrection, and his second coming through sharing the cup together. Let's share now. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here together this morning, to open your word together, to call on you together as a group of of brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, part of the kingdom of God. We rest in the, the security that you have told us. The condemnation has been removed and grace has been given. That righteousness is, is, is through you and that our justification comes from your gift on the cross. As we rest in awe in that, in that truth, realizing it's nothing that we bring, but all that you gave. We also realize, Lord, that we want to be people that reflect your grace. We don't want to be graceless. We want to be full of grace. To our husbands, to our wives, to our children, to our neighbors, to those who put on our path. No matter where you take us. Lord, cause the love you have poured out on us to be shown by the way we respect others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we close? And, uh, we. Thank you again for being here this morning. Lord bless. Have a good rest of the day. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and hope in the life gave that hope may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he has done. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood. To every believer, the promise of God. The vilest offender who truly believes. 
that bold man from Jesus so pardon receives. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he has done. Great things he has taught us, great things he has done, and great are rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he has done.